there is a weird hierarchy around illness where your loved one is going through something quite serious and you've mentioned this one in another podcast okay so cut that then it's old content I've done that well it's hard to remember what bloody goes (laughs) in which one hi I'm James and I'm Cairo and we're bringing you Who Cares Wins this is the podcast all about caring for somebody you love sharing your stories about some of the amazing work that carers do out there but also not shying away from some of the darker things and trying to do it with a bit of a smile on our face because I think sometimes, James, we just have to laugh. And please do subscribe, click that little button, and if you enjoy our conversations, please do rate them as well because it really helps us to share some of these stories with people across the country who are often feeling extremely isolated. So I, I, had a, I do have a question for you, actually. So one of the things you talk about quite a lot in podcasts previously, but also in general, is the fact that you're not a carer. But you've now been in this caring world for quite a bit, or kind of exploring it. What have you learned? What's your like? It's interesting, as I've always been in it. Interesting to see someone who hasn't. Interesting. So the the primary one, which I think I mentioned before, is just how extraordinary it is that after spending a huge amount of time being a carer yourself, uh, people seem to then want to go on and help other people. So just Mm. at the moment where you think, you know what. You, you've earned the opportunity to just put your feet up a bit. <laughs> Have a break. People are so dedicated to making sure that someone else doesn't have to go through it quite as badly as, mm. as they did. Um, and I, I think that's, that's amazing. Do you think that's human nature? So I think the people who do it wouldn't regard themselves as heroes. Like they, they would say, well, this is just what anybody would do. I'm reluctant to say it's human nature because I don't think... I could assume that I would just instinctively mm. do that as well. And I also don't think everybody does. Mm. So there is there is something special about people who are so committed to going that extra mile. I'm reluctant to write that off as human nature because I think they are actually impressive sure. people. Yeah, I think, I think I tend to agree with you. I remember, I remember reading, there are interesting times when a member of a family will become the carer and not it's almost, it doesn't seem to be completely random. It'd be the person who, who has that natural instinct to, to care. Mm. Um, and I think that's partly where you get a lot of potential problems in family dynamics because of often a lot of the burden falls on one person. Um, and and uh, what percentage of your week would you say you stand in front of a mirror with a red cape on and say, <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm Superman? Um, well, James, <laughs> I don't the listen, listeners want to hear about my Friday nights out. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think, I think it's, you know, I've, we've talked about this before, that you do it because you have to do it. So I spoke to your friend Allegra the other week, and we're, we're going to listen to that conversation in just a moment. She mentioned something about making sure that the caring doesn't get in the way of the relationship, and that's a really important perspective to take on board. Yeah, completely. I think it's maintaining that relationship whatever it may be whether it's you know father son uh, mother daughter husband wife is super important to maintaining you know, the health and well-being of the relationship i think too often carers get caught in becoming the carer and they lose that that relationship and i think that can that can be really difficult for a lot of people i know i make time specifically for my mum to be to have, for us to have father father mother son time um, whether that about you know asking her advice on girls, even though I don't always listen to her advice, but I think it's important to try to actively continue make yeah. time for those relationships. Yeah, because you don't want to limit somebody's 
life to just being the condition or indeed somebody's life to just being the role of carer. Completely. Um, well, uh, hey, Allegra has so much to say on this. So Allegra is a friend of yours. She's CEO of the Camden Carer Centre. Correct. Uh, an all-round legend. She's um, great. And she does it always with a smile on her face, so we love her for it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, when I went to work at the Carer Centre, and a lot of us have had a, a caring role, I didn't even realise I was a carer. So my lovely mother lived with us. Um, she was perfectly able to do everything for herself, but she lost her... her relatives and friends in quite quick succession and she was you know in her late 70s early 80s and it just seemed the right thing to do and she came she, she lived with us but I, there were things I did for and I always remember a good colleague of mine saying to me well you're a carer as well and I said the classic thing was really do you think so why and you know she described well does it impact on your life and I said well yes I wouldn't go away for the weekend without arranging that you know somebody was sure, there and I'm sure. a family member or anything she said, well, there you are, she said, and what, what do you know, do you do things? I said, well, you know, I do the shopping and I do this and that. And, yeah, I hadn't thought of it at all for myself, even though I was working in a carer centre. <laughs> I have to confess, I fell into that trap. Amazing. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's really interesting that you've gone through that process. So I'm, I'm not a carer and never, never have been, although I've seen um, at close quarters people do that. The, the carers that we speak to through mo setting up Mobilize and bringing carers together to, to learn from each other, the biggest theme is that the phrase, no, I'm not a carer, I just look after my mum. Yeah, exactly. And so, so you've seen that personally, but you, you must almost also see it uh, in the carer centre as well. All the time, all the time. And we, you know, we go out and we meet a lot of other people. I'm thinking about, you know... We have to meet local councillors and other people when we're interacting with other organisations. And, you know, we tell them a bit about what we do or they understand. And then you suddenly find out, well, actually, they say, oh, yeah, you know, I've got a brother who, you know, I visit regularly and look after and do X, Y and Z for. Yes, I did that for my mother. You know, yeah, you're a carer. Yeah. Go, no, no, I'm not. And going, yeah, you are a carer. <laughs> I, I think if you speak to any carers organisation, that is the biggest challenge is getting people to identify as such. So what do you think holds people back? What, why, why would somebody not, not identify as a carer? I don't know. I mean, I suppose people have really different views on this. Um, I think it just comes back to what I was saying earlier. Is it, it's just that thing you do naturally. You're supporting somebody. You don't even think about it. Somebody mm. you, you, you care about, you're supporting them. Although I do have to say, also, we do get people who are caring about somebody that they don't wish to support anymore and, and, and perhaps they, you know, never wanted to fall into that role and we have supported people to stop caring as well. Yeah. I, and yeah. I think that's very important. And again, the, the same colleague has um, often said to me, you know, you can, you can separate out the two. It's not easy, but you might want to have a relationship with your daughter but you actually might not want to be her carer. Sure. And that can work very well as well. You know, Interesting. So you have to really think about what's your role, what are you doing, who else can do those bits, what bits do you want to do. So we always encourage carers to think about that. But what often gets lost in the caring role is the relationship. And that's so sad, isn't it, mm. really? You know, and think about that. You know, you're so busy thinking about oh, when's their next medication when's their next appointment have they got this have they got that 
that you're forgetting about having some fun and some good times. I guess that's what you are. In, you guys are encouraging uh, people to be doing uh, through your work, and and hopefully through the work at Mobilize, we can we can support people enough to to get everything in order to make it a little bit more manageable. We can never make it easy, but make it a bit more manageable so that you can really thrive rather than survive. It's, it's so important, and. Again, it goes back, if you're not, we all know, we're all experts on self-care nowadays. If you don't look after yourself, who will look after the person you care for? Yeah. You know, we've had people pushing off having operations. Goodness. You know, crazy things, pushing off their own life, pushing off their, their holidays, their breaks, seeing other family members. So we always say, look, if you, we support you, and we say to our fundraisers, you know, actually we're supporting two people, really. Yeah because then you have a better relationship and, and actually we've had comments from cared for so people that, that are looked after by the carers saying oh yes you know it's improved their relationship as well now we've dived yes. in this is always the way because people care <laughs> so much about other people i really wanted to ask some questions about you oh, so okay, yeah. so your um what was your motivation to stick with care what what why do you feel so passionately about it obviously you've got a little bit of experience yourself but there's a yeah, there's oh, a sort of broader commitment yeah. to it that you have so believe it or not i started off life working life as a microbiologist a long long time ago and i did that for 5 years but while I was a student, I worked in a care home, range of care homes. I have to say none of them were particularly good, but you go back, well, what, 40 years, actually. That's about 40 not. years. Most kind. Um, <laughs> and, um, oh, you know, some of those places are awful. But I think I've always liked people. And that's yeah. what I always say to people. Although, look, working in the laboratory was fascinating and, you know, lots of things. But I, I much prefer working with people than test tubes. And making a difference and having those conversations and making those connections. I love it. Carers, why carers? I kind of, you know, if I'm honest, I kind of fell into it a little. Carers, you can just do a very small thing, even just going, how are you today? And it makes such a huge difference because they always say, or 99% say, oh, no one's ever thought about me. No one's ever asked about me. And that is what we do. And that's what all my colleagues do. And they do it very well. And, And people just... I have not had the time even to think, well, what about me? So that's great. Tell us a little bit about the people who come through your doors who you're, you're helping. What, what kind of people do you tend to see? Such a range, really. You know, so one day you could be seeing somebody whose, you know, partner has just had a, a stroke and they've come to that caring role very suddenly, quite dramatically in a, in a way... Again, what we tend to find is, it, but it still can take a while before people even think, think about themselves because they're so busy thinking about the person and, you know, are they okay? Are they going to be all right? We get people, young carers like Cairo, who have had perhaps years of no one really understanding why they're tired at school or why things aren't going quite right for them or why it's difficult for them to come out and play and all those mm. kind of things. Uh, we get people who are just exhausted. We often get people, actually, who the first thing they sort of want is that we sort out the problem for the person they're looking after. That's often our way in, to, to untangle that kind of uh, mess, whatever it is. It might be you know something around their, 
their benefits or their care package or their housing it could be a whole range of things and then we get that person we say now what about you and as I said you and they go oh, me no no you're here to help them and go no actually our services are here to help you what about you and I suppose it's all about building that relationship right always because you can Especially if somebody isn't understanding fully the challenges that they're under, they they can't come to you and, and say, I need yes. this, this and this. Yes. So you need to build that relationship and really understand them and support them more generally before you can um, yeah. take them through to the next level. Yeah. You know, sometimes if you're trying to explain, and you've probably identified this, the issues that carers face to, to, to somebody else, you people can't, unless you been there or actually seen it it's quite hard to understand well why, why don't you do this why don't you get somebody else in like you say what two o'clock in the morning or you know my partner has decided to go into a meltdown you know on a friday evening at eight o'clock well yeah it's complex and um and 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 sometimes incredibly lonely as, as well precisely because you can't engage with other people in the in the way that you might might like you know, even if you explain, oh, well, you're a carer, then they'll say, well, what can you do for me? What, you know, what difference can you make? And you say, well, we do this, that and the other, and you just kind of reel off a list of services, but still people can't understand the difference. And I think the difference is giving people that space to say, actually, I really love and care about X, but do you know what? I'm fed up going to collect their medication. I'm fed up being trying to sort out their benefits i'm fed up doing this and and it's trying to separate out the two i'm fed up always chasing after x y and z you know the doctor won't listen to me whatever it is and and so but yes how do we explain well we can help you with that we you know actually you have to go through this kind of way to to get to that person or you know you need to make sure that you've told them that this this is the issue. So tell us a little bit about the kind of things that you can offer to help. Because I, I know a carer's assessment is a, is a big part of the, yeah. the work that you do and we've been looking at, at how helpful that can be. Yes, I mean each caring role is unique and different. There might be similarities, you know, if you're caring for somebody with uh, dementia, you know, you might, there, are, then there might be many similarities but people are at different um, paths on that journey there's lots of different kind, types of dementia of course they, it impacts on people differently so it's the carer's assessment is something about actually sitting down with that person and saying what do you need what would make a difference to you mm. and I think that's that's crucial so it's not just about you know often sadly people think it's just about getting you know some a, a little posh of money at the end but it's not it's really about saying what what aren't you doing that you would like to be able to do. And then that can range from, you know, well, I, I, I wish I could get out to tea with my best friend once a week. Kind of things that you and I take for granted, you know. You go out, well, maybe not tea. But. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't have friends, but I, 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 I've got to... James, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> no, Kyra's the social one. It, it's, um, it, it can be really powerful, that. And one of the things that we've uh, been exploring, it, it, can, can you fail... An assessment. I mean, uh, most assessments, you you know, <laughs> ah, it's a pass or fail, right? So, yes. so can, can you can you can you give the wrong answer in a carer's assessment? No, 
No, isn't that terrible? And I think, you know, listen, a lot of these things are about language as well, aren't they? What a terrible term when you think about it. You're saying it now, you know, an assessment. Oh, you know, people get worried. What are you What are you <laughs> assessing? It'd be better to call it, let's sit down and have a chat and, and yeah, see what yeah. we can do to make a difference to you. Yeah. Form to fill in B1 slash 8. <laughs> I don't know, you know. It all comes out, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Got to have the box of tissues ready and that kind of always, thing. Always. Always. <laughs> Although one of the things that we've found is that very often when you're getting through some of the really tough stuff and the really dark kind of areas, yeah. one of the best ways to talk about it is, is to laugh about it and to find a way to see the humour. Yes. And that actually unlocks a load of conversations that wouldn't be, yeah. wouldn't be possible otherwise. Well, that's interesting you say that because we've done things and I know other carers centres up and down the country, you know, laughter workshops it's the emotional strain of caring that actually is sometimes a lot more difficult than the physical right. strain. Uh, I think there have been some reports done on that as well. Um, I always remember this carer, he regularly says to me, all these services, he cares for his wife, he's got a mental health condition, all these services, talking about our services as well and services of wife, people come and go. I've been caring for 25 years somebody with you know quite a severe mental health condition and you know I've met some lovely people and I've met some people that are rubbish and can't do their jobs he is always there at the centre of it all coordinating all those different people either coming into his wife or supporting him Hmm. and that's true and I always remember him saying that you may be thrust into this role very suddenly and there's a huge amount to pick up Um, so having people like you guys um uh, you're in the Camden Carer Centre, but uh, the, there's obviously carer centres all over the country. Yes. And so the next uh, the next kind of steps for the Camden Carer Centre, what what have you guys got on the agenda coming up? Oh, wow, lots of exciting things, actually. We, we were celebrating 25 years of existence this Congratulations. year. Thank you very much. Uh, you'll get an invite to our lovely art show in Way. July. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Carers Week coming up very soon, of course. Mm. Lots going on there. We're looking forward to the time when we don't exist as an organisation because everybody is so carer-aware and carer-focused that as soon as you go in and you're identified as a carer, you get all the support you need. How about that? <laughs> well, what a wonderful vision. <laughs> Allegra, thank you so much. It's been really great uh, to talk to you. And uh, for the benefit of the tape, um, Allegra, you've been smiling absolutely (laughs) all the way through. I can see why uh, people are so excited to be spending time with you and your team. Uh, So so thank you for sharing it with us. So straight out of the blocks at the beginning there, Allegra was talking about the real challenge of getting everybody to identify as a carer. Mm. Um, And sometimes that feels like a slightly futile thing. So does it matter whether or not people are identifying as a carer? Yeah, no, I, I think the key is whether they're getting the support they need. Like, if you identify as a carer, that's you know, that's one thing, but if you don't want to or you don't recognise yourself in that role, then that should be okay, but with the caveat that you're getting, getting the support. Like, I know it was only until I started recognising myself as a carer that I reached out and got support. Um, and I definitely needed it earlier, but didn't know kind of what the role was and hence what support I could get or ask for. So so I just push back on that slightly because well firstly like it's really important that people are recognizing as a carer from a like a bureaucratic perspective because without that you don't trigger all of the things that you need in with the local authority the NHS uh, whatever it might be. But there's also um exactly what you've just described 
there's an important mentality shift. So, it, I mean, I'm not particularly fussed as to whether it's the word carer, but recognising that your role is different to a straightforward, in your case, mother-son role, or it might be your partner or whoever it might be, and that you're actually, your relationship has changed as a result of that. Surely that's really important. Yeah, I, I mean, for me it helped. By recognising myself as a carer, I could recognise, or I found it more easy to recognise some of the emotions I was dealing with hmm. and going, you know, that's because I have this additional role or some of the um, impacts it has on my life weren't because, you know, weren't normal. Like, I didn't see them. And I think that is important. But I know that it, your question suggests there's some kind of, you know, normal narrative, which I just no, don't, sure, think, sure. Does, don't think necessarily yeah. exists. And actually how caring impacts on my life is very different from how it impacts on everyone else because there are so many different kind of aspects to it which people find difficult or, or interesting. Um, and, you know, in loads of ways, I was very lucky with how it affected my life. It was a way that I could, you know, I managed, I got through. For so many people, there's aspects that they, you know, it gets too much for them. And I, and I have nothing but sympathy for, for so many carers out there who really struggle. And I, you know, for, to, to a large extent, I was pretty lucky. One of the things that I'm still trying to get my head around is why there is a slight reluctance to define as a carer. So I understand that you might not realise it, but it seems like there's actually quite a few people who are who are carers who sort of know what their role is, but they're reluctant to associate mm. themselves with the language. Like, it's an interesting one, and I don't think I know the answer. I think there's something in the language suggesting a different incentive to why you're doing something. And I think because carers is also a profession, incredibly difficult profession, there's a suggestion there that you're doing it because it's your it's like a role that you have to do. If you give yourself that badge, that means you have to be the carer. And I think for a lot of people, it's not necessarily a choice they would have made. You know, I wouldn't choose to be to look after my mum. I'd much choose her for, for her to be healthy and not need the additional support. So I think there's something around, if you put that badge on, it suddenly becomes a job and a duty and it becomes more of a burden than just doing it because of choice. And so I don't know if that's maybe where it comes from. So this is something that my aunt gets really passionate about because she thinks of herself as my uncle's wife and not his carer. And certainly did right at the beginning of the process. I think she's got a little bit more relaxed about it now. But I think the, the real driver for her is that she's, she's not sort of institutional or she's not coming from the state or some other body. She is actually part of his family and has that deeper personal relationship with him. To use the word carer almost sometimes feels like you're discounting that or discrediting mm. it. And formalising it a bit. It's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. So in, the, in your interview with Allegra, you talk about you're not a carer. You've never been a carer. Sure. And... I just I think it's an, an interesting balance because, for example, I know when there are times when my caring responsibilities are weighing pretty heavy on me and I'm in a bit of a kind of dark mood or feeling a bit down and I don't think you quite recognise how much energy you come and just like sitting next to you in the office and us laughing and then, you know, you, when you see, you know, I think you recognise when I'm in a bit of a 
you know, feeling a bit down and you make an active effort to try to tell me some of your awful jokes, um, which I do have to laugh at sometimes. Um, well, in, in fairness, the solution is normally just to give you a sandwich and a nap. Yeah. That I seems mean, to cover most of <laughs> Who doesn't like a sandwich and a nap? I mean, if that I could have every day, it would be. But so I think there's a, you know, in that, you know, almost like the second ripples of those rings back. Yeah, sure. There is an incredible caringness. That's not, I don't think that's a real word, but that care that people can offer. Yes, you're not a, a carer. You wouldn't, in, in lots of definitions, meet the definitions. But I think, you know, I think if you just start scratching the surface, you can see actually there's a lot of people who do. It's so powerful to have a level of understanding. And I think we've made a lot of progress around mental health in recent years. But this is another kind of equivalent thing where people on the whole probably don't fully understand the implications of what's going on. And actually, if, if we can achieve anything through Mobilise, actually raising the profile of carers and, and raising the level of understanding amongst the population. I think that's really important because it does have a massive impact on your life. I mean, Allegra indicated some amazing examples, like oh. people putting off operations. I mean, please don't, crazy. anyone listens, please don't put off an operation. That is, sounds terrible, but, a terrible idea. But again, Clara, I mean, I'm always going to push you on this because no one is going to say, oh, you should totally put off your operation for the sake of your caring role. Yeah. But realistically, presumably someone in that position doesn't have a choice. Yeah, and I would have done exactly the same thing. So I, it's very easy to sit back and be like... So, don't. so what's your motivation there? Like, so how does that happen? I don't know what the answer is. Well, that's fair. Well, do message in. Yeah, if you yeah, have any suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why, why you do that. It's just because you love them more. And you, it's, and it feels selfish. So you've described previously something that Allegra alluded to, which is the carer's guilt. So there's a few things in what Allegra was talking about which were interesting, where she was saying, identifying the things and the times when you don't want to pick up that prescription. Or, and they, they're the moments where you feel incredibly selfish because you're effectively saying, I value my own time, I want to go and do something for myself. And I think that guilt that people feel in terms of having their own life or wanting to do something for themselves when they know their loved one is in a really difficult situation or in pain or, or not coping like that is that's heavy like that really weighs yeah. really heavily and it's not something there is an easy answer to you know how do you say to someone yes your loved one's in need but it's important to look after yourself and the, the logic everyone knows the logic like long term if you don't look after yourself then you'll get to a breaking point and everyone loses. You lose, your loved one loses. But actually in those moments, it's really hard to see the long-term picture of the importance of looking after yourself. So it's not full of jokes, this segment. No, it's not. <laughs> like this. this is the real light-hearted version, everyone. Um, and we even said at the beginning we're going to try to do it with a smile on our face. Um, but it's really important and it's clearly something that a lot of people have a challenge with. Yeah. And, and actually, I mean, there's a, there's a constant theme in all of this, which is about being preventative and making sure you get stuff set up early on. And, hey, a great way of doing that is having a chat with your carer centre and people like Allegra and her team are doing, doing fantastic work. So thank you to you guys for all that, that mm. you've contributed there. Well, hopefully that's of some use. We've got another episode coming out uh, very shortly. Have a good one, everyone. Speak to you soon. <laughs>